Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 and now back to lifeline with craig roberts welcome back to the program and you know it's interesting i was curious what it would cost per person to buy a turkey just kind of get a sense of the impact of inflation on the prices for the holiday which is coming up in just a little over a week and (laughs) unfortunately if you go to our friend uh, google and put in turkey cost per person it gives you round trip air reservations to istanbul so (laughs) that wasn't quite what i was looking for but i tell you what i did discover that is that a recognized name brand sold at a major chain that all of us find a place that's safe to shop at a 20 to 24 pound bird which will take care of an average family of four or five people it's about 54 dollars and 78 cents per turkey wow then you add to that vegetables stuffing cranberry dessert all the other goodies that are a part of a traditional Thanksgiving meal during this time of year at homes all across America. And you find out it's pretty pricey. This is the reason why so many families that are hurting financially right now and have been suffering because of inflation, the cost of living in the Bay Area, the high cost of housing, simply forego holidays like Thanksgiving. Well, we've partnered again with the Bay Area Rescue Mission to change all that for needy families across the Bay Area. And thanks to a grant challenge which has been made available by a group of benefactors that really believe in the outreach ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. They've partnered with us to help provide meals for needy families. So right now, you can give a gift of $50, less than the cost of a turkey, that will adopt two needy families, providing parents and kids a complete traditional Thanksgiving meal and all the trimmings for up to 25 meals per family for just $50. A $100 gift will adopt four needy families providing up to 100 meals. Now you can give your gift conveniently online. Go to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. Again at kfax.com and we'd just like to encourage you to make things a little bit brighter. Not only in terms of impacting the lives of hurting and needy families across the Bay Area this Thanksgiving, but even in terms of meeting the needs of homeless individuals that are struggling with issues related to unemployment and drug abuse, things of that sort. In fact, give a listen to the story of one man whose life was changed because of partnership by people like you standing with the Bay Area Rescue Mission. I was a heavy drinker. It took me a while to to really like fully understand like what my addiction was. When I started, I was real heavy into it and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do far as like getting myself the help that I really needed to like stop what I was doing. So I was like really drinking like really, really heavy. So it was a tough time for me. I just had lost my grand my grandmother and lost my uncle and was just drinking a lot. Something was telling me it's this time kinda of stopped drinking. I got into a bad car accident and just wanted to change. Uh, my mother and my sister 
was kind of a part of my life and they were telling me like you really need to find the help like to to get your life back on track and stop doing what you're doing because you're like real heavy into drinking it was like I wouldn't put the bottle down I found a program to get into it didn't work so I was looking around looking around and I find about the bear rescue mission and I came and the guys really gave me encouragement to join the program and I stuck with it so I've been here about nine months now and it's really helped me a lot since I've been here I feel it's like helped me a lot with the encouragement part with wanting to do the program and stick through the program they gave me a mindset that they're, they're there for me and they've really been like big brothers to me and I've actually like kind of been going through with some of the guys that's a little younger than me that's coming into the program. So we kind of been doing the brother fellowship thing and it's been really working really well. It's changed the pattern thinking that I had that I've always wanted to to do something different. And it's really helped me a lot with, with being here. I was always like just stuck to myself a lot and I've kind of been opening up a lot more and and letting the guys know that we're here for you and we can help each other out like with the addiction thing and it's really helped me a lot in general with not thinking about drinking and doing what I was once doing before and I'm more into the Bible than what I ever been before so my thought patterns and everything has just really changed a lot. I have been thinking about a drink in a long time now since I've been here. It was like the first three months that I was here, it was kind of stuck on my mind, but now it's like, it's all the way gone. And I've been sober for about nine months now since I've been here. And yes, it's a wonderful feeling. I don't have this shaky urge or anything like that to want to go back and take another drink at all. Uh, my faith has been growing a lot. I've been sticking into my Bible a lot and just reading different scriptures on faith and unity and different things and really reading a lot. And it's got my faith and everything back up. My courage and everything is, is like beyond what it used to be. So I've been kind of sticking to the word of God and changing my life. And I want to go in probably to a restaurant or some type of small business and feeding and helping feed people and giving out meals to people and stuff. Dominic's story is quite familiar. So many of us that have gone through challenges in life, the loss of family members, as in his case, that oftentimes, apart from Christ, will lead people into complete disintegration of their sense of security. And when they get shaken to the very core, they will reach out to anything that will provide temporary relief, be it drugs or, in the case of Dominic, alcohol. So often we will see homeless individuals on the street and say, I wish somebody would do something. Here's your chance to do something this Thanksgiving season by partnering with the Bay Area Rescue Mission. As I mentioned at the start of this segment, thanks to the Grand Challenge, which is available, provided by a group of folks that really care about this ministry and have witnessed firsthand the impact that it has on lives, these benefactors have said, 
We'll double, we'll match everything that you are able to raise through KFAX between now and Thanksgiving. So a gift today of $50 would adopt two needy families and provide parents and kids with a complete traditional Thanksgiving dinner and as much as 25 meals per family just for a gift of $50. If you give a gift today of $150, thanks to that special grant challenge doubling your giving, you'll not only provide meals for four needy families, but feed an additional 50 homeless men, women, and children. To give your gift today, fully tax deductible, and every dollar you give is matched dollar for dollar at whatever level you choose to give, simply go to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. That's kfax.com and look for the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner. Remember, you can give your gift conveniently through Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover, and your tax deductible gift is double matched, which provides so much more than food and shelter. It shows Christ's love without limits, introducing hurting individuals like Dominic and needy families to the hope of the gospel. Give your gift today just in time for Thanksgiving and make it a brighter Thanksgiving. Give the gift of hope by going to kfax.com and clicking on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner. That's kfax.com. We appreciate your gift today as we partner together to change lives for a brighter tomorrow. kfax.com. Click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. There has been a long, steady drumbeat, drums sounding against any notion of the inclusion of Christ or Judeo-Christian ethics in the public square. Uh, Again, this notion that we've been making this slow shift from what had been the view, the vision of our founding fathers of creating a nation where there could be freedom of religion, which heretofore our founding fathers had not quite experienced in in England to an atmosphere today, uh, some 250, 300 years after our founding, that seems to be taking on a decidedly different atmosphere, that of freedom from religion. To get some insights on this, our special guest tonight as we lead off the program is Larry Towton. Larry is the founder and executive director of Fixed Point Foundation, an initiative dedicated to defending and promoting Christianity in the public square. He's also the author of a new book entitled The Grace Effect, How the Power of One Life Can Reverse the Corruption of Unbelief, newly published by Thomas Nelson and available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as no doubt on Amazon. And Larry, great to have you with us on the program tonight. Delight to be with you. Why, this is interesting as we sort of watch, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess in many respects it's sort of the proverbial uh, frog in the kettle effect that we're seeing here in America today, where slowly and ever surely there seems to be this march, this parade, at least in the public arena, uh, where we've moved from the notion, as I said earlier, of a nation that provides freedom of religion to those that are now trying to recraft our nation into one uh, that provides freedom from religion. Well, it's like so many other things in our, our culture that are gradually being redefined as they are uh, amputated uh, from their Christian origin, that is to say, from the, from the anchor that, that had once held fast uh, not just our, our culture, but our very vocabulary. So, for example, um, uh, tolerance is now understood to, to mean 
Um, diversity is meant to, to uh, mean uh, uh, just the celebration of differences, no matter what they are, supposed, uh, as opposed rather to um, uh, a traditional American view, which is born out of, uh, out of Christianity, that we seek to overcome um, our differences uh, for the sake of, a, a, uh, of one cause. Um, and these are the kinds of things that are happening where we're redefining family, um, redefining the roles of men and women, all kinds of things. And as you have said, there is a, there's a kind of slow leak, as I like to put it, of Christianity out of the culture. And in my book, The Grace Effect, I'm trying to give a glimpse to readers through, through a narrative, through a very compelling, very real story of, of my daughter of what a culture looks like when it is completely led of Christian influence. And of course, a lot of this is done with this notion, as those in the public square that are pushing this would try to promote, uh, that we don't want uh, any undue religious uh, in, uh, influence on anyone, that we're trying to create a society uh, of great tolerance here, and that the Christianity, for example, has a history of tremendous intolerance, and they will typically quote things like uh, the Salem witch trials of, of American history and folklore, um, and perhaps more history than folklore now that I think of it. But uh, from that perspective, as well as to things like, uh, you know, what happened with the Inquisitions in Europe, etc., etc., and, and they use many of these events to try and argue this notion that Christianity in, in particular, and maybe its companion religion, Judaism, are, are vile, evil, oppressive religions, and they're just simply trying to create an atmosphere of greater tolerance. Well, uh, that is just a bunch of sheer nonsense. Um, the 20th century was an experiment in secularism, and it was a century that saw well north of 100 million people dead. Now, that is that is more than all of the war all previous centuries combined. But that's not just the you know, quote-unquote Christian offenses. That's the what's supposed to Muslims in the mix and Hindus and and, uh, and Judy, all of it. None of them come even close to the horrors that we saw that were perpetrated secular regimes in the 20th century. Um, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't um, uh, the Jews who were uh, who were wiping out um, Germans. It was uh, uh, it was a, a fascist, a, a radically secularist uh, regime that was pushing these people into gas chambers and, um, you know, saw uh, globally about 50 million people dead. Um, this, this attempt um, at revisionist history uh, is something we all need to be very vigilant of um, because uh, quite clearly Christ commanded uh, that his message was to be advanced with the sword. Uh, Richard Dawkins, the the poster boy for um, atheism these days is a guy who makes these types of arguments. Well, as I, the point I've made to him is, you know, if I, if I kill you in the name of science, does that make me scientific? Well, of course not. Um, any more than somebody who says that they do something in the name of Christ. Christ himself predicted uh, in John chapter 16 that people would kill uh, in the name of God, uh, would do these kinds of things. We we know this, um, but we have to to discerning about this. And I and I will say this: even the radical secularists, you know, who are making these kinds of arguments, 
that Christianity is dangerous, they are at least making some subtle distinctions um, uh, whether they want to acknowledge them or not. Notice that they're saying these things mostly about Christians who are, as a rule, a tolerant people. Notice they're not saying them a, a whole lot about Muslims. Uh, uh, people who are known to be quite intolerant of criticism of, of, of their beliefs. Christopher Hitchens, also a famed atheist, and I write about this in my book, The Grace Effect. He and I, uh, he's a friend of mine, somebody I've debated publicly uh, and privately. We drove from his apartment in Washington, D.C., all the way to my home in Birmingham, Alabama. Along the way, we studied the Gospel of John. This was a follow-up to um, a challenge I'd made to him a couple of years before. I assure you, Christopher Hitchens does not get in the car with a Muslim in a bulky overcoat. Uh, you know, so he is making some distinctions um, and uh, you know uh, uh, about Christians, whether or not they want to acknowledge this publicly or not. We understand what the effect of grace is. Uh, we understand that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that none should perish but all have everlasting life. So we understand the effect of grace. But now let's talk about this from the perspective of your experience in uh, in traveling to the former Soviet Union, the Ukraine to be specific, known. Uh, by many in that part of Eastern Europe, and uh, the former Soviet Union is kind of the breadbasket of the Soviet Union, and um, the efforts of your family to adopt a young Ukrainian orphan by the name of Sasha. Uh, yes. Um, I, 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 let me back up just a wee bit and, and say this. I think that we as Christians don't fully understand and appreciate grace, and, and let me explain what I mean by that. We speak of grace quite rightly as that thing which changes us, with, which transforms us in an instant when we repent of our sins and we receive Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what we mean when we speak of grace. But that's, that doesn't mark the outer boundaries of God's gracious activities. There's another form of grace that he gives, and it's, it's what we refer to as common grace. And, and common grace is that, that grace, you know, Jesus says in, in the Sermon on the Mount that God sends his rain and the sun, you know, on the, on the just and the, and the wicked alike, you know, that his goodness overflows even to those who, who, um, who don't believe. What I'm calling the grace effect is a, a particular a kind of, of manifestation of common grace, meaning this, that it's a kind of grace that God gives to a culture only when there is a significant presence of his people in it. And so my argument in the book is this. You know, my wife and I, we travel to Ukraine. Um, I think your, your uh, listeners will find very compelling this story in, in this book, The Grace Effect, and how um, we're uh, in this process, as you quite rightly mentioned, to, to try to adopt Sasha. And I've been in that part of the world many times. I've been in Ukraine four or five times before this, Eastern Europe, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Poland, and so forth. So I was not unfamiliar with that part of the world. I was familiar with his business practices and the corruption. But I guess I was naive enough to believe that we wouldn't experience it to the degree that we experienced it when it involved the life of a child. 
every single uh, official that we encountered, we had to bribe. And this, this begins to raise some interesting questions um, about why is it that they have such a disregard for the least of these, for the widowed, the orphaned, the sick, um, the elderly? Uh, is it because um, Americans are just innately better? Well, no. Uh, scripture would tell us that human nature is the same the world over. But the, the, the uh, public discourse in this country, indeed throughout the West, has been gentled by the grace effect, meaning by the presence of God's people, our society has been made a little more tolerable. And if we haven't been made good uh, by it, we've been made a little less evil than we might be. And the result is we, we do have a concern for our poor. I'm Craig Roberts, back with more as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And back to our conversation tonight. We are visiting with the founder and executive director of Fixed Point Foundation, Larry Towden, the book, The Grace Effect, How the Power of One Life Can Reverse the Corruption of Unbelief. We've often heard this uh, false promise of socialism. We're kind of seeing some of this uh, play itself out, I think, uh, in the wake of what's been going on here in the United States in the last uh, couple of three years here. Uh, but, but Larry, certainly this was sort of uh, brought to perfection in countries like the the former Soviet Union. We're seeing a lot of it, too, in Europe. Um, and this idea that, uh, as we said before, um, uh, instead of the government serving the people, the people serve the government. How does that, when we create that that God-neutral atmosphere and suddenly people are there to serve the government instead of the other way around, and we have exercised God from the public square, how does that, what does that picture look like? Paint that picture for our listeners. Sure. Uh, it, it, I, let me give a concrete example of, of what that looks like. Um, the kind of governments that appear in totalitarian regimes didn't happen by accident. They came about because uh, the people with the guns <laughs> were, were a people who had a different view of human life. And I want to be clear, most of them were people who believed very sincerely that their view was the correct view and that they were doing uh, uh, the world uh, a favor by doing what they did. People like Vladimir Lenin and Mao and Stalin and Paul Potts and, and so forth. Uh, and, and what it ultimately looks like is this. Um, you know, Thomas Jefferson, who was not himself a Christian, but who was unquestionably heavily influenced by, again, what I call the grace effect in my book, The Grace Effect, that is, by the presence of Christians. Uh, he, I mean, he had his own translation of the Bible, for heaven's sake, and, and required that it, that it be used uh, in his own teaching. Um, a guy like Jefferson is quoted as saying, it's better than that, that ten uh, guilty men should go free, then that one innocent man should be uh, um, imprisoned for something that he didn't do. Now, contrast that with, with a view in, let's say, Russia, for example. A few years ago, well, now it's been 12 years ago, in 1999, there were bombings that were taking place there um, by Chechens, uh, who were protesting the war in their part of the world, and, and, uh, and so conducting some terrorist acts in places like Moscow. Well, once they knew that it was somebody uh, from that region of the world who was conducting uh, these bombings, the Russian response was to arrest 11,000 
people from that part of the world. Uh, the bombing stopped. But you see, they had, because they had no respect for individual life and liberty, they thought nothing of, of uh, taking that sort of action. So in contrast to, to Jefferson's view, here was a view that said it's better that, that, that 10,999 people who didn't do something should be arrested in order that we might catch the one who did. And all of this is born out of our view of humanity. And when you kick that block out, which is the foundation of Western culture as we know it, uh, what you're left with is, is, uh, is a world that's void of grace. You're left with a world that is, that is uh, uh, void of laws that have any anchor in the absolute. And so on what grounds do you protest your own government? All effective reform movements in the West have appealed to God. They've appealed to higher laws. The abolitionists did this. The reformers in Britain um, did this. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. did this. Uh, indeed, um, the founding fathers of this country did the same thing. But if you no longer acknowledge a higher power, to what court do you appeal when your government becomes a wicked and oppressive regime? Well, and as you point out in that example, it's the difference between revenge versus justice. Uh, Absolutely. Somebody commits a crime and they say, you know, we want to bring about justice. And so we're going to interview and research and investigate until uh, we're able to either ascertain exactly who the culpable parties are or going to smoke them out, so to speak, or they're willing to come forward as opposed to, well, somebody has done something here that's wrong. And so in order to um, eke out not justice, but revenge, if nobody comes forward, that's OK. Shoot them all. I mean, Stalin, as oh. you point out, was was infamous for this kind of thing. Uh, there at one point was the notion that there had been uh, some, uh, well, I'll put it this way, there had been a lack of full commitment to some of the commands of the, the commander-in-chief, uh, Joseph Stalin, during World War II, and um, uh, there was kind of the feeling at the time that a couple of key battles, specifically some of the fighting for Stalingrad, had been lost because of it, and the answer to all of that uh, was not to try and bring those that did not follow his orders uh, to justice, but rather just kill everybody, which he did. And and he ended up wiping out thousands of key military leaders that many argue uh, was a significant setback uh, to Russia's ability to effectively defend itself against the Germans in the Second World War. Of course, uh, you and I know that the, the rebuttal to that would be to say this, oh, that's so unfair, that's just one madman. But no, it isn't just one madman. This is, this is the result of an entire culture that comes off of the rails. And the result is, and my daughter Sasha, having lived, um, or herself being the, the product of this kind of Soviet thinking, uh, I mean, Ukraine is, is, has been uh, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, what shall I say, the, the redheaded stepchild to, uh, uh, to, the, to Russia for centuries, um, that the result was that, that, to put it even more flesh and blood terms, is the complete degradation and the devaluing of human life. Let me use another example that was recently in the news. Perhaps your listeners are aware of this video that, that went viral on the Internet and made big news of uh, uh, a child in China where the cameras on the street caught images of a, of a toddler who wandered out into the road, was hit by a van. The van backed over the child, and then when they realized they'd hit a child, they drove off. Eighteen people 
the cameras recorded 18 people who walked by and saw this child crying and the blood pooling around her. Another vehicle came along and whack, hit her again and killed her. Now, that is a horrifying story, but it raises some interesting questions. Was this just a unique event in China? Well, we now have discovered that there are other reports coming from all over China that it isn't unique. And Americans, whether they're Christians or not, they hear a story like this and they're horrified by it. But why are they horrified by it? They're horrified by it because whether they want to acknowledge it or not, they are deeply influenced by the Christian understanding of what human life is, and we don't treat it like roadkill. And so to answer your, your, your question of, of a few minutes ago, what does a world look like when it is absent Christian influence? That's what it looks like. It looks like a place where the government doesn't care for people and people don't care for people. Let's pause on that point. We're going to come back to more of our conversation. KFAX listeners are intimately aware and and uh, familiar with the story that Larry shared of what happened in uh, the, the south of China here about three weeks ago, if memory serves me right. Uh, and as you'll know at the time, I, I articulated my absolute utter disbelief that someone would, would commit an action of hit and run like that. And clearly when you saw the video, you saw the, the, the van hit the child, roll over the child, the driver pause for a moment, think, did I hit something? Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, and then proceed on and roll over the child the second time. If that wasn't horrific enough in and of itself, that, as Larry points out, 18 passers-by over the course of about 12 minutes walked past that child as the blood was pooling below her and made no effort to do anything, summons anyone, contact authorities, absolutely nothing. Which I think is a very apropos example of what the influence of atheistic communism does to the very soul of mankind. We'll pause on that point and come back with more. A look at the grace effect, how the power of one life can reverse the corruption of unbelief. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to our conversation. Larry Totten, my guest, author of The Grace Effect, How the Power of One Life Can Reverse the Corruption of Unbelief. Your experiences of what you saw and witnessed during this process in the Ukraine, as we say, uh, this a nation under Soviet rule uh, pulled into and part of the Soviet Union uh, for many, many decades. They had suffered horribly during the Second World War, had been a very focused attack by the uh, the Germans during the war. Uh, there was a tremendous amount of genocide that took place. Uh, there are killing fields, so to speak, even in the Ukraine because of what happened during that war. Um, and then, of course, here, a nation under the influence of, of atheistic communism for the better part of, of second seven decades. Tell us a bit about what you saw and the experience in the process um, of adopting Sasha from an orphanage and what you saw in Ukrainian culture juxtaposed against what we know of of Western culture that has the strong Judeo-Christian acknowledgement of God's existence, we'll call it, influence. Sure. Um, well, we live in a culture that right now, as I was listening to your program, you were talking quite rightly about how uh, uh, there is this effort 
to drive Christianity from the culture. And as I like to say, it's being treated increasingly like smoking. You know, it's, it's an unpleasant thing, and none of us want your secondhand religion. So why don't you go do it in the designated areas, but don't bring it into any of the public sphere. What I'm trying to say in the grace effect is this. And it's a wonderful life. George Bailey is given a, uh, a belief he doesn't bring much to the table. And he's given a glimpse by an angel of what his hometown of Bedford Falls would look like if he had never been born. It's not even called Bedford Falls. It's Pottersville, and it's a terrible place. Well, I'm arguing in the grace effect that that America would be a Pottersville to the 10th power. If you remove the Christians from the culture, what you have is the kind of things that we experience, where human beings are, are not treated as having intrinsic value. Uh, my daughter, Sasha, had been abandoned at birth. She had been raised in three orphanages. Orphanages, by the way, that were all running off of atheistic principles. What do those look like? Well, those are principles that say that human beings don't have souls. We only need to address physical needs. Uh, and they, they scarcely address those. I mean, children weren't given um, a hot shower. She was given one bath a week. She wore the same clothes. Uh, she wasn't given toilet paper. Um, she had exposed nerves and damaged teeth. She was given no education. She's HIV positive. These were the kinds of things that were going on in the orphanage. And, and that's before I even get to the, the kinds of things like human trafficking. Um, the children, 30% of those who have uh, uh, special needs will be dead by the age of 18, 60% of the girls will become prostitutes, 30% of, uh, of the children will, will become uh, substance abusers, 10% will be dead. You know, these are, these are the, the kinds of things that happen in a culture when you begin with the wrong premise. You see, a worldview is it's like glasses through which you understand the world and your, your view of God, uh, of, of his character. Um, or his existence and non-existence will determine how you view man, and that will in turn influence the kind of government that you create. And the kind of governments that they created saw human beings as temporal beings who were there to serve the eternal state. And this stands in, in stark contrast to a traditional Western view, which is based on a Christian worldview, by the way, that says that man is an eternal being. And the state is a temporal institution that is there to serve him. So we begin to see just how radically the absent, absence of Christian belief, it's, you knock over that domino and they just keep falling. And you really see then this juxtapose of the notion of government serving the people, which is uh, traditionally the, 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 the Christianized Western viewpoint of democracy, uh, such as what we have in, in countries like the United States or Canada. And then just the opposite, the, the 180 of that, where the people are there to serve the government. And, you know, that, that might just seem to be an easy flip. But there is something very profound about that, and we're going to have Larry articulate it at, at, at a deeper level exactly what is the impact of that. And I think it's important, and I'll say this just before we take a timeout because I know we're a, lit, a bit late for the break here, but I think it's very important that we pay close attention to this because we're in the middle of a big political cycle right now. We are facing uh, a scant year from uh, this month, uh, one of the 
perhaps the most pivotal elections that this nation has faced. And we're seeing slowly this shift taking place um, in the American psyche, in the American politic, uh, away from uh, the allowance of the influence of grace on our lives, uh, a, a, a pulling away from the transforming power of grace, as uh, Larry Towden articulates inside his new book, The Grace Effect. And instead of saying that we need to embrace the impact, the influence of the Judeo-Christian ethic uh, as the, the compass, the moral compass that drives our nation. Instead, we're moving towards more of an institutionalized atheism. We see this taking place in politics. We see the effect of it in the public schools. Uh, now it's getting to the place where, you know, if you're going to practice your religion, make sure that you do it quietly, privately, and behind closed doors so that nobody is aware of it. The notion of sort of banishing Christianity from American public life. What is the impact of all of that? What if we could just wave a magic wand and be done with the influence of the Judeo-Christian ethic from public life, what would the new public look like? Many of the lessons that Larry brought back from his experiences in the Ukraine, I think, are ones we need to take very careful note and consideration of. Let's talk a bit, Larry, about the experience your family had in the adoption of Sasha um, and the the change about, uh, the turnabout, rather, that's taken place in her life. Uh, yes, uh, boy, I tell you, it's been huge. And uh, and I want to be clear that this book isn't, uh, it's not Anne of Green Gables or Heidi or Christie or something like that. There's a much larger story and narrative that is uh, that is being told here about uh, culture itself. But Sasha is a metaphor here um, for what, what God can do to entire nations. And in her own life, she had... Uh, she had experienced uh, the the material, the spiritual, the the uh, emotional, uh, and intellectual deprivation that that comes in a society that is absent. The, what I call the grace effect. When that's not there, the kind of common graces that God gives through uh, the presence of Christian people, there is a there is a a, a, a very uh, ugly side um, of life. And uh, here she was in circumstances like that. We bring her back um, to the states. Um, you know, it's it's a little uh, you know exciting for us to have observed in her. She's been with us for about two and a half years now, but. But to see her um, experience so many things for the first time, um, a warm uh, a warm bed, her own bedroom, um, a hot shower every day. Boy, she really runs up my hot water bill. <laughs> um, she enjoys those things. She enjoys um, having a father, a mother, um, brothers. These are things she gives thanks to God for every day. And they're the things that the typical American child, of course, would would um, take for granted, um, would have that opportunity to take for granted. Also seeing her get appropriate uh, medical attention. Um, imagine going around for years um, with exposed nerves um, in your teeth. Your teeth are, as, uh, as the pediatrician said, um, her teeth were bombed out. Um, she had to have, uh, I think it was seven teeth pulled. Um, I, I believe that's correct. And uh, you know, so seeing this kind of transformation and then watching Sasha step from a culture where human life was not deemed to be as valuable and where there wasn't appropriate care for the orphans, 
into a culture where it, there is still a, a residual of this kind of grace of which I speak uh, is rather extraordinary. And, you know, and for her to, to, to uh, step from a world that the radical um, secularists would give us, the grace effect is giving you a picture of what that world would look like. And I don't mean, by the way, that they are aware of it. They're very well-intentioned. They think that they can maintain the kind of culture that we currently have um, and still, you know, get rid of God. But it's like cutting off the limb uh, on which you sit. It just simply cannot be done. So uh, I think Sasha's life trumps any argument that anyone can make against the power of God's grace to transform a life. Larry, we appreciate uh, you joining us tonight to tackle this topic that, quite frankly, an hour doesn't even begin to to do it justice, uh, at least to give the listeners a glimpse of obviously the reality of what we're facing in our country today, but but what the end result can be if, if good men fail to do anything, if good men do nothing, if we do not prevail uh, in standing firm for our faith, not just for the preservation of our rights as people of faith in our country and the ability to exercise freedom of religion, First Amendment, blah, 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 but for the literal preservation of the nation and what this country has stood for, for both ourselves and for the world. The book, again, is called The Grace Effect, How the Power of One Life Can Reverse the Corruption of Unbelief. The book, as I mentioned earlier, is published by Thomas Nelson, available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also order it online through Larry's website at graceeffect.com. That's graceeffect.com. And again, our thanks to uh, Larry Towton for being with us on this edition of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.